all good, baby, baby. Uh, it was all so if you're ready to break the generational cycle of poverty, revolving prison doors, and a lack of education that's holding us all back, then now's the time to do something about it. So to move from gutter to greatness, it all begins with a change in mindset. Here's your host, Dr. Paul Miller. Hey, everybody. Long time. No listen to, no hear. We're back for another episode about identifying your power today. What is your power can help you move from the gutter to the greatness. From the gutter to greatness. And you're going to identify your power today. And we're going to talk about some good things. You know, and I, there's a, a song that I think about sometimes when I think about identifying who you are. And I don't own the rights to it again. You know, I like to play those songs. But I don't own the rights to it. You know, I'm a Dipset fan. Shout out to Cam. Santana. Pretty Ziggy. The whole Dipset crew. Jim Jones. I don't know why that's necessary to say. But, uh, you know. Yeah, man. I gotta get my thoughts together, man. I be thinking a lot, man. Be crying sometimes, too. But it's like, yo, yo, the time is now, my grind is here, shit, my body is focused, my mind's in gear, let's start it, I'm moving out. So, you know, you got to figure out who you are, identify your own superpowers, and what is power, right? Well, let's, let's think about that for a second. What is power? So when you think of power, what's the first thing that kind of comes to mind when you think of power growing up versus uh, how I think about power now. And I would say they're probably entirely different. So to help others, I really needed to realize that I needed to help myself first. You think of the example, like when you're on an airplane and you're with your child and your spouse and they say, put your mask on first before you put your child's mask on or your spouse's mask on. And what's crazy is, you know, your instinct is going to be to put your baby's mask on first. Right. But you could end up dying and they might end up dying, too, because you're losing oxygen and losing pressure and you need to take care of yourself first. So then you can help the other ones. But I think identifying who you are and figuring that out will make you live in your power and be powerful. And so we have to think about that, especially, you know, within the black family. And what does power look like? Many black families, I think, would identify power a little bit differently. And I think power often is is in our world is often as often divulged as someone who is physically dominant or or dominating dominating in a way that you won't look weak. And that's being powerful in our community. So you don't want to look weak. You don't want to lose respect. We were taught to be physically strong and mentally weak at times. But where does that come from, right? So I definitely still I've been preaching that it's been coming from slave days and, you know, mothers were afraid to lose their male sons, to be beaten, sold, even killed. And to preserve the young black man during childhood, she developed strategies to protect him. And so she raised him to be physically strong and sometimes mentally weak. His strengths couldn't be, they were unmatched, you know, and still like think about our physical dominance in so many categories. And the black man would be a physical 
field hand that did the dirty work, but he wasn't taught to think or to feel too much. And think about how that translates to now. So self-preservation became ingrained in our DNA of the Black family, and it was passed through generations. You know what? And a lot of this, you all will see later on in the book, The Gutter to Greatness. So you're going to check it out. We're going to have it out somewhere between November and January. And you will be able to read all of this in print and get a deeper understanding. But we're going to keep rocking with it. I have to do a quick promo, quick commercial break in the middle of that just to get you guys reading The Gutter to Greatness. It will be out. I'm excited about that. So you got to check me out and, you know, and do it for yourself because it's going to help you as well. So that self-preservation got ingrained into our DNA, right? And so so now in 2023, it might not be protecting the, the black male from the slave master, but it's protecting him from the masters that make us slaves. Okay. What does that mean? So to this day, not many and not all black households the black man, again, is taught to be physically strong, physically weak. You know, I think of an example, right? I remember just a story of living in a power and growing up in the hood. So I remember I was young, I was probably maybe five, six years old, and I was outside playing. And I was playing. We lived in a complex. This was before a house, before a project. Um, but it was a complex. It was still a lower income complex. But I wouldn't say it was necessarily the projects, more apartments. And we were, I was outside playing. And playing with kids, some my age, some a little older, probably between that six years old and maybe 13-ish age. And we're outside playing. I think there's a playground out there. And some kid is, is hitting people. And he's hitting people with like this instrument. I remember it was some white instrument, right? I remember he swung and he hit me. And I remember crying like boo-hoo crying. So I went into the house and I went into the house crying. And my mother was like, what's wrong? You know, frantic. Like, what's what's going on? <laughs> he hit me. And, he, and she said, what? Who hit you? <laughs> the, the boy outside. I don't remember his name, right? And he hit me. And there was a, like a welt on my leg. And there's a welt somewhere, right? And he hit me. And she said, well, what did he hit you with? And I said, it felt like a metal pole. And so it felt like a metal pole. So she said, oh, okay. She said, first of all, you need to stop crying. You need to suck it up. What, is, what the hell are you crying for? And I got something for you. Hold on. So she goes into the closet. And there was these broom-like vacs that were autom not, not like electrical, but they were you uh, push broom vacuums. And it was metal. And it stood maybe about six feet tall. And she went in the closet and she unscrewed the handle and it was like this metal pipe. And she was like, oh, he hit you with a metal pipe. Then you go outside. You take this metal pipe and you go outside. You don't come back in here until you hit him back. And or if you come in here without hitting him back, you come in here crying again. I'm going to give you something to cry about. I'm going to whoop your ass worse than he whooped. It. And I'm like, huh, what? I'm confused because I'm thinking, you know, I'm, is my parent going to come save me? What's going to happen? I need help. And she was like, no, not going to happen. So I went outside and I went looking for him. And so kids see me coming from down this, down the way. And like I had to walk be behind 
you know, you're walking from behind the houses and then you come out into the middle area where the playground was at. And kids are like, yelling, oh, he's got a pipe. He's got a pipe or he's got something. And so I start I start running after the boy and I just start swinging. And then I start swinging at anybody else who was around. I'm trying to hit any and everybody. And at this point in time, I didn't want to go home and get ass whooping. So I'm going out and I'm trying to get mine. You hit me, I'm hitting you back. And all the kids ran, all the kids scattered. I don't even remember if I hit them or not. I don't even know if I got them, but I know they all went in the house. I done cleared it out. And then clearing it out, I felt a sense of redemption. I felt a sense of power, like I wasn't being a punk. And I was taught that, you know, if you get hit, you got to hit back. And I still, I don't necessarily see anything wrong with that. There's some situation where it's not appropriate. But in most cases, you know, you, you definitely have to defend yourself, right? And so I was taught that being physically weak was it was not appropriate you know i had to go out and get mine and i had to do whatever i had to do and that being weak is a problem but what i also learned later in life was there was research on that and i believe it's in elijah anderson's code of the streets there's something called the code of the streets right so the code of the streets is all about survival of the fittest so it's all about that you must maintain your respect in this urban jungle in this urban concrete environment that if you lose your respect, you have lost your social capital. So losing your social capital is detrimental to your safety because now you will become teased, you'll become a victim, you will become targeted, and you risk losing the ability to exist the way that you know it. So you can't lose it within the hood. You can't lose your social capital. You can't lose your respect. And so you have to do what you need to do to maintain that. So that becomes representative of what power is and what power looks like in the Black community. And so as a Black man, I had to be powerful by earning my self-respect back and by earning it back by showing him that he could not do something to me and that I wouldn't do something back. And so I was able to go and do that, you know, and I went back in the house and everything Turned out, you know, I, I didn't get in any more trouble because I at least went out and I was ready and I wasn't being scary. I stopped crying. But there was also there's a lot of suppressed emotions that come with that. There's a lot of other things that, you know, you learn that may or may not be appropriate. And so, oh, by the way, now that I think about it, he didn't try to hit me with a metal tube. It was more of like a PVC pipe, which is still hurts and still strong. I think it might have been a plastic hollow like tube. Uh, but, you know, as a five or six year old, I, exa- I exaggerated because it hurt and, and whatever. So I, I got my I got my little get back and handled what I had to handle. And, you know, I, I made it work. Right. So she was proud of me. I didn't get a whoop in. All that. And so that kind of defined my images of what I thought power was and what I thought power needed to be for the in the black urban community. But what was interesting was I was five or six years old, and this is what I was taught. This is what I learned. And so, you know what? We got to realize that being powerful is more than just being physically powerful. And it can mean different things to different people. You know, the rules of the streets are so different. And you got to understand that this is the environment that we've been placed in. But my brothers, my sisters out there, you were kings and queens before 1712. You were these amazing gods and goddesses that were raised with 
such abilities to do so many things. And the history didn't start with that slavery. So we got to kind of erase that and change that mindset. And see, I grew up in a household where, you know, unfortunately, we, we had a very impoverished mindset. And, you know, I had where it was better to collect social services than it was to go out and do it yourself. Because if I can make the same money that I'm going to make getting paid at my job, why should I go and do that and work for somebody else when I can get it for free? And entitlements and other things like that. And those, that mindset, that, that's that gutter mindset, that's that poverty mindset. And so I had to work towards, towards changing that. Luckily, I had a few resources that showed me a little bit differently, that was able to help me see things differently and develop a hunger and a thirst for a different type of power. And I wanted a different type of power, and I wanted it so bad that I was willing to work so hard that I could taste it, that I could feel it, that that, was, that meant more to me than anything. And so, you know, I had to go through that in my career. And I had to go through that so many times of trying to find my power. and But it always comes back to your mindset and my, my mindset. And how do I find that mindset? And how do I identify my strength? And so, you know, what's interesting is your strength often comes from your truth. My truth was who I am and who I wanted to become. And my truth was often in my why. And so I was just having a conversation with somebody like, what's your why? Why do you do what you do? And my why might sound a little selfish, but I was asking myself, what, what do I love about what I do? And do I love kids? Do I love schools? Do I love education? Do I love people? And I'm like, man, uh-uh-uh. well, guess what? I love them, but I'm not in love with them. So what am I in love with? And that helps me identify my power. And then the story helps me get there, right? So it becomes my reason instead of my excuse. So my power and my why was in the fact of what am I in love with? And I am in love with, drum roll, winning. Winning is sexy to me. Winning makes my nipples hard. I want to win. If we're going to run a race butt naked in the wintertime backwards, I want to win. If we're going to cook, I want to cook better than you. If we're going to run an and operate an organization, I want to do it better than you. If we're going to run and operate a school, I want to do it better than you. I want my school to be the best school possible. And guess what? I want to win for kids. I want to win so bad that I can taste it, that I can feel it, that I can smell it. And nothing is going to get in my way. Even if I fall or I fail, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to find another way to go over, under, around because I want to win. My power is in winning. My power is in winning. I want to be a winner and I want to win for kids. I want to show them how to win. And that's part of my why. That's why I do what I do. And that's how I identify as my power. And winning isn't even necessarily my superpower, right? It's one of my powers. But I remember as a kid, I really loved different cartoons and X-Men. That was my joint. Who else liked the X-Men, right? So X-Men was my joint. I love the superheroes. I've always loved superheroes. I've always had a fascination because they had powers and it was an escape for me and they could make things happen that no one else could make happen. And I was always in love with Iceman for some reason because he was able to make the ice bridge and slide down it. And it was, it was cool. Yeah, pun intended. So he was cooler than the rest. And so I was, point wanted to be like that, real cool, real stable, was able to slide into it and save the day. And that power, though, 
what I found was I had to figure out who I was to identify what my superpower was. Because winning hasn't always been easy for me. Winning, I'm not just naturally a gambler who just wins at everything I do. It has to come from work. And and what my superpower has been is perseverance. Perseverance has been my superpower. And I live in perseverance. Everyone has a superpower. So God has blessed you with a power. And your power is what will mark you with greatness if you can identify that. And you can use your power to get through whatever it might be. So maybe it's you care about people differently. If that's your superpower, then always use your superpower to develop those wins for yourself and to put you in a spot where you're caring about the right people to end up winning and winning in life. And so I had to find that power. I had to remove the fear. I had to remove the negative self-talk. I had to realize that perseverance is my word. That's word I identify. That's what got me to the next levels of being able to be successful. And you know what? God wants you to have this. I believe that. You know, like I had to, there was never been a time that I think that anything that I wanted that I didn't have to work for or struggle through and persevere over some type of obstacle. You know, when I was doing my doctorate, I walked into the room and I could never imagine that I would be have a doctorate, not from where I'm from, not from the stuff that I did, the people that I grew up. Like, I just never thought that I was going to be a doctor. I never even liked school like that. But one thing was, is that I realized when I walked in that room and I sat around these folks that initially I thought I wasn't good enough to compete with. Most of them were white folks that were really good folks. But most of them, I didn't think I could compete with them. What I realized was, is that I was as good, if not better, but it came from my effort and my ability grew stronger. But I had to go through perseverance. Like I had the dissertation chair that nobody wanted. And I love her to death. Like she is my Charles Xavier, right? She helped me refine my powers and she was the best ever, but the hardest. She was the the show enough of dissertations, like she was going to kick that ass. And no one wanted her. But when you dealt with her and you dealt with her and followed what she said, you were going to be right. And so she helped me. She helped me get right. But I had to rewrite my chapter one 26 times. But through that process, I got stronger. I persevered. And I was able to do things that I didn't think I could do. You know, and and putting that extra work in is what made me great. It's that perseverance. I remember when I was young, I was a good athlete. I wasn't great. And I had to work for it. Like I wanted so bad to be a football player. And guess what? I had to start working harder. So I started going to football camp. I started working out five days a week. I started outworking people. And when I outworked people, I saw the results because I got faster. I got stronger. I got bigger. And I was now can compete with people that were more naturally talented. So it really identifying your power and your superpower, it comes, it's there. You know, it's there for you. And you need to find it. So I want you to take some introspective looks to figure out what is your power and what are your superpowers and how are those going to help you become great? How is that going to help you move from the gutter to being great? Because greatness is inside of you. So my mindfulness minute is all about being greater later and your superpowers, right? So I always wanted to be able to ride on ice. So I wanted to be able to fly. I wanted to be able to do something that I didn't think that I could ever do. I thought it was impossible. I thought I was almost learned helpless because I learned 
that I couldn't do those things. But introspectively, the whole time, those things were inside of me. Those powers were there. So every time I'm able to help a child, I'm able to help a school, I'm sliding across that ice, I'm flying. I'm able to do things differently because of my superpowers of being per, uh, persevering and then trying to help others persevere. I'm hoping that you're going to persevere because it's something that you heard today. So fly in your superpowers. And you know what? I heard a saying that was uh, there's that Harriet Tubman could have freed a thousand or thousands of more slaves if they just knew they were a slave. I'm not saying that it's okay to be a slave because there's some people that aren't going to get that. It's not saying that I want anybody to be a slave. What it's saying is, is that if they identified, they understood it, and they understood that they were being developed into these learned helpless individuals, they could identify that. They could break those chains and get out of it. Once they knew better, they were able to do better. So once they knew they was a slave, they was like, God damn it, I don't want to be a slave no more. I'm about to get the hell out of here. Let's go. Give us free. But before that, there were too many people that thought that this was the way of life, that this is what it should be, and that it's okay. It's not okay. So again, if you knew better, you would do better. If you identify your powers, you'll be able to live in them, and you'll be able to move from that gutter to greatness. So let's identify your powers. This is Dr. Miller signing off, episode six, from the gutter to greatness. All right, people. Peace, peace. That's it for today's episode. So head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing for a $25,000 private epic VIP day with Dr. Miller himself. Be sure to head on over to guttertogreatness.com and pick up a free copy of Dr. Miller's gift and join us on the next episode. Hey, yeah.